You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Tito's Handmade Vodka had been mixed with its fair share of cocktails. But one night, a chilled glass topped with lime and cranberry would change everything this bottle knew about happy hour. From the producers of America's Favorite Vodka, it turns out the cocktail you've been waiting for was right there the whole time. The Tito's Rom Cosmo. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll sip with Tito's. Coming to cocktail parties near you at titosvodka.com. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. Hey, Eric here. And Brittany. And we got two things that we need to tell you before we get started with today's episode. Mm -hmm. One, Color Nerds is now coming out on Mondays. Mondays. Yes. So I know it was actually probably unclear what day (laughs) we came out before. Probably unclear as (laughs) as to whether the show was still in production or not. We did that to keep you guys on the edge of your seats and to test your dedication. Yes. But now you can feel confident that two times a month. Twice a month. You will receive a brand new For Color Nerds episode on Mondays. Yes. And the second thing we got to talk about has to do with today's episode. Has to do with today's episode. So today's episode, uh, this is not a spoiler, is about the FX comedy Atlanta starring and created by Donald Glover. Um, So we actually recorded this episode before it won uh, two Golden Globe Awards, one for Best Television Series, Musical or Comedy, and one for Best Actor in a Television Series, which went to Donald Glover. So, um... You know, congratulations to uh, to the entire Atlanta team. Like, yes, I, yeah. Like, I feel like I do that little, the little, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the what's it called, Hunger, Hunger Games, Games salute. salute. Yeah, yeah, they're all black writing team. Like, you just have to. Yeah. Uh, we're proud of you guys, and you know, I mean, Donald Glover thanked the Migos. It's, I mean, for making bad and bougie. Like, that's real. Yo, he 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 brought the hood up with him. Yeah, he really did. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, we, we, you know, we didn't get to discuss that in the episode. Um, but I think in light of recent news, I, I'd say that, like, this episode is even more of a must listen than usual. Yes. Shouts out to them. That's not a spoiler alert. We nope. like it. We like it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Eric. And I'm Brittany. And we are for colored nerds. The conversations that Black people have when white people are not in the room. But we record them, and we put them on the internet. Happy New Year! Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's about right. It's a new year. Yeah, you know, I don't know quite. I've never been New Year new me. Um, I've never no. In 2015, I actually was New Year new me, but that's because like 2014 for me was a personal garbage. Dumpster fire. Actually, is the year that we started for color nerds. <laughs> <laughs> so it's about right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it is a new year. Yeah, but you know, the, I mean, 2016 was absolute. The thing is, though, is that like I don't even like to buy into that doctrine because this is this year is going to be worse, without a doubt. Without, I can say that confidently today. I can't argue. Yeah, January 2017. I'm calling it right now. Uh, 2017 is going to be worse. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the year that was. 
But uh, aside from that, aside from, <laughs> aside that. from the, the, the terribleness, uh, let's go ahead and just jump in uh, while we're here today. All right, let's, let's, take a, let's take a dive. So today's show is about a show that you almost have definitely at least heard about if you haven't seen it yeah, at, by this point. At this point. Yes. Um, the so show like, came out last year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, pretty much anything we talk about at this point came out last year. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about Atlanta today. Yes. So Atlanta was one of like not just one of the best shows, but but one of like the biggest shows. Like I, yeah. it felt really impactful. A lot of people were talking about it to come out last year in 2016. Uh, but to me, I felt like most of the conversation around the show, basically like the conversation that happened off Twitter, right? So yeah. like things that had been written and essays and interviews. Like I felt like that stuff came out either before the show came out or right when it came out. I would um, agree. Yeah, I, I think there have been a few thing pieces out there, you know, based upon some standout episodes in the season. But I haven't really seen, you know, the kind of big conversation about th- about the season as a whole, you know, that, that I personally was looking for, that I was craving, you could say. Yeah. Um, and, and, and for me, the magic of Atlanta, like I was excited about Atlanta, you know, when, when I found out Don Glover was going to have a show and, you know, it was going to be about Whatever. Atlanta, something. ostensibly <laughs> something. But for me, like the magic of Atlanta just totally crystallized after the season was over. Totally. I mean, that's when you get to appreciate, like, looking at things like the club scene, the public access episode. Oh, my God. Like, the, the really crazy Juneteenth episode yes. that they had. And the episode that just focused on Van, like, the, the show's lead female character just on her own. Yeah. But, I mean, the great thing about us having a podcast, though, <laughs> is yeah. uh, we can go back and look at the show in hindsight. You know, there may be some of you guys... Although I feel like this has got to be a small group. For those of you who listen to For of Colored Nerds. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, for those of you who listen to For Colored Nerds and have never heard of Atlanta, it's a half-hour comedy that is on FX that follows Earn, who's played by Donald Glover. He's an Ivy League dropout, and he ends up back in his hometown of Atlanta. Surprise. Surprise, exactly. And he's struggling to support his on-again, off-again girlfriend, whose name is Van, and their baby daughter. So he sees an opportunity to manage his cousin, who is an up-and-coming local rapper, Paperboy. Great name. I, Paperboy, right? Uh, so Earn and Paperboy and Paperboy's best friend, Darius, who's an amazing character, start working to, like, get to Paperboy's, like, big break. So, you know, hijinks ensue and, you know, you know they have little adventures and stuff like that. Um, but the show is just, like, so much deeper than this, like, description. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Like, it's it's just weird as hell. In like all the best ways, <laughs> yeah. it's just it, honestly it's, it's really really different from anything else on TV, and actually pretty different from just most like television comedies, yeah. In general, sp- sp- like especially like black comedies, yeah. And for like a lot of reasons, like not least of which the fact that it has like an all black cast and an all black writing staff, which is really rare, and like it it shouldn't be, yeah. Especially on like I mean, it's really rare on like. A network like FX or, you know, it, as opposed to a network like OWN. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. Um, so, so we're going to take a deep dive into this first season of Atlanta and draw some uh, interesting comparisons, com- comparisons I think. Yes. Uh, so before we start any conversation on Atlanta, we kind of got to talk about the show's creator and star, a, a one Mr. Donald Glover. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Uh, I mean, I think before Atlanta, like, I feel like no nobody really knew how to feel about Donald Glover. That's accurate. Yeah. That's he, accurate. 
he's had this I honestly he's had a pretty like amazing career in terms of like the shifts that he went through. You know, <laughs> he started out as this like broy YouTube sketch comedy guy and then like he kind of found his his shine on community. Yeah. And then he's had this like evolving music career as Childish Gambino, like a name that he chose from a Wu-Tang rap name generator. Yeah. Because that's a thing that happens. (laughs) Which is like, that to me is a testament to his core corniness. He's corny. He's he's a a corny guy. Yeah. And like, even when his like music got better, he's still just been kind of like off. Yeah. I mean, like for a while, it seemed like he was staking his claim on like being the kind of like, black person that that feels attacked when people tell you that that you're talking white yeah exactly that was like his lane for a while but he's like he's making some moves yeah i mean atlanta has been like like really really good and it's really surprising kind of coming from him yeah and then he had like the really like really good and black as hell album awaken my love very black yeah and so he's like his star is like really like taking off yeah and he's like he's like going to he's like making some really cool it seems like i mean definitely creative transformations and changes and i would have to guess judging by like the work that he's been putting out in the past year he's probably gone through some like personal evolution as well yeah and like they recently announced he's gonna play like uh lando calrissian in the new like whatever the new star wars movie is gonna be it's one like every eight months yeah Yeah. (laughs) exactly uh and actually a few months ago he was on ellen promoting Star Wars when Atlanta came up. I don't know if you've seen Atlanta yet, and if you have not seen the show Atlanta, it's a, it's, you should see it, because you created it, you write it, you direct it, you star in it, and, uh, every, and it's, it's, uh, it's so good, and, and there's so many funny little moments. You're, you're really a funny person, but it's also heavy. It's kind of, <laughs> you want to explain what it is? I tried to, I just wanted to make Twin Peaks with rappers, uh-huh. which was like, at the time people were like, I don't know what that is. I was like, that's, I get it. <laughs> there are two things that are like remarkable about like, this clip. One is Ellen, Ellen now, stumbling to find the words to describe Atlanta. And two <laughs> is when Ellen throws Sedano to like help her out, he chooses to describe Atlanta as Twin Peaks with rappers. <laughs> which is interesting in my mind like as, as soon as he said it i heard like the sound of like white fanboys their heads just like exploding <laughs> everywhere yeah. um so for those of you who haven't seen twin peaks it's kind of this like surrealist crime drama from the early 90s and it was created by david lynch and it's set in the small mountain town of twin peaks washington and it follows this guy who's an fbi agent named dale cooper as he investigates the brutal murder of the town's homecoming queen whose name is laura palmer so you know the plot kind of sounds like an episode of like svu or like kind of like a noirish thriller but, you know, because it's from David Lynch. It's, who's awesome. Yeah, who's awesome. But so weird. Twin Peaks is so weird because of David Lynch. If, if you're not familiar with David Lynch, just like, I mean, literally just watch anything the man has ever made. And yeah. then you'll get it within about 90 seconds. So the show's just like, it's like, it's kind of got this somewhat straightforward plot. But it's just like so, 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 so weird. But also this is like a show that's like universally like loved. Like it, it came in. Uh, at number 17 on Rolling Stone's 100 Best TV Shows of All Time list. Like, this is, like, the definition of a cult classic. Like, this is the kind of show that people write their dissertations about. Yeah. I mean, it's the kind of show that, like, people sit in a room with a lot of weed and you lose six hours talking about, (laughs) you know? 
<laughs> but, but it's also it's it's really good. Like I give it like a for collared nerds. Speaking for both of us, I think right yeah. now, like a stamp of recommendation. Totally, totally. I think I think you'll love it. And like, I mean, based on these characterizations, like describing Atlanta as Twin Peaks with rappers could sound a little off, a little provocative, if you will. <laughs> yeah, a little provocative. <laughs> but, uh, and, and honestly, like, every creator always wants to compare their show to Twin Peaks. Well, a, a lot of white creators want to compare their show to yeah, Twin yeah. Peaks. Yeah, I mean, and almost every time, that connection never really holds water. But, like, interestingly enough, I think this is one that fits. No, I 100% agree. Like, when you actually, like, pointed me to that Ellen clip, I was like, I see the connection. Like, I was like, I see no problem with this. That's fair. That'll stand. Uh, so, so we are going to take a deeper look at both shows, Atlanta and Twin Peaks, uh, to show why we think the moniker Twin Peaks with rappers is the best possible description for Atlanta. So we're going to look at how both shows play with, like, tone, plot, cinematography, um, and each of their respective locations with, I guess, like, the end result of both shows uh, being something that, like, nobody asked for. But I, I think that, you know, this is media that we all need. Yes, yeah, I would agree. It's art. It's art. I mean, and as we're staring down these very dark days, <laughs> and we are in the dead of winter. This we're going to use something like that. Yeah, we could use something like that. Like, we need it. It's time. So let's do it. Let's get cracking. So, I mean, it kind of goes back to, like, this Ellen interview that we were talking about. Like, Ellen was really, really struggling to to get out. <laughs> she was just like, uh, yeah, like, she knew it was good. And yeah. a lot of people have known that Atlanta is really good. Yeah. But they really kind of struggled to nail down, like, how to talk about it. Is it comedy drama? Yeah. Is it, like, surrealist? Yeah. Is- I've been seeing people describe it as a dramedy, which is painful. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't think that's quite an apt description. Yeah. I mean, some people describe parenthood as a dramedy. Like, oh, okay. Well, or yeah, like, actually, oh, well, no, mostly I just think of that as a cry fest. But, um, it's, I mean, it's true. I used to watch every week and cry. But, like, yeah, like a dramedy to me is like, rescue me. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Like, exactly. that's sort of, which I think actually also came on FX. But, like, that's sort of what I think of when I think of a dramedy. Like, I think of like, there's a central dramatic element, mm-hmm. but then there are a lot of little funny things that happen around it where this to me has like, Almost like a central neutral element. Like, Earn wanting to become his cousin's, like, rap career manager. It's, like, not not necessarily dramatic. Yeah. I don't know. You feel like there are high stakes for Earn. But overall, like, the plot of the show, especially, like, how Paperboy does not become famous throughout the entire (laughs) season, it kind of has this nice, like, low-simmering, low-stakes feel to it that I kind of like. Yeah, like, in most comedies, so if you think about, like, something with a similar plot, Mm -hmm. like like Entourage, for example, the fact that Vinny Chase in Entourage is already kind of, like, on this steep, steep kind of incline in terms of his popularity. Yeah. It, like, turns up the comedy element so much because now you have this person who's, like, famous. You know, they've got all this money. Yeah. They're, like, living their dreams. It's easy to go with that in terms of the comedy element of mm-hmm. this. But with this, like, other than the fact that, like, Paperboy has, like, this one hit single, he has none of the classic trappings of, like, a famous rapper. No. No, he, he lives in the same apartment he did before. Yeah. He has his same job. Drug dealing. Yes, that he did before. <laughs> exactly. And, like, there's not much, you know, like, they do a club appearance and, you know, they only get, like, two bottles. <laughs> exactly. Because Ern is like, mm, we got to save our money. Exactly. Which is not necessarily, like, a traditional comedic or 
like dramatic choice. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, granted, situationally, it's funny. It's like funny to see like an up and coming rapper at the club looking uncool because he only has like two bottles of champagne for what you would assume is maybe a four to six hour evening, right? Like that is situationally funny. But like having the main character be the person to be like, "Mm, we need to save our money. You can only have two bottles. That's just so like, it's not high drama. It's not like these extreme hijinks. It's just kind of closer to real life, which makes it to me even more funny. Yeah. Most of the the drama kind of comes from like, I think two places. One, the situational aspects of it. Like, I mean, there is a police shooting. They kind of flirt with death, mm-hmm. uh, like, a few times in terms of, like, the, meeting other people throughout Atlanta. Yeah. And, like, those are kind of, in some cases, played up for, like, the drama of it all. It's, like, really intense. Yeah. But they're often fleeting moments. Yeah. So that you don't really have a chance to, like, linger in those, mm-hmm. like, in those dramatic emotions very long. Yeah. And I actually think, like, that's one of the places where, coming back to Twin Peaks, that relationship is really clear. Like, Twin Peaks is, again, you, like you said, it's like kind of like has this Norish feel. Mm-hmm. But you never get to sit in that for any significant amount of time. Yeah. Like, there's always something that kind of breaks up the action. Yeah. Or, like, breaks up how you how you think you're supposed to feel in any given moment. So sometimes even the way characters play up the dramatic scenes mm-hmm. takes you out of the drama of it all. Yeah, it almost like so many so many parts of Twin Peaks were kind of campy in a way that you couldn't necessarily take a scene that seriously. So it was like almost like sometimes I think the scarier a certain scene was supposed to be, they played the camp up, which kind of like and then that dissonance just kind of like had you off kilter the entire time as a viewer. And that's, that is kind of how it is about Atlanta. Like one of the things that actually I like about the way that they do violence on the show is that when you maybe live in a neighborhood like Paperboys or like Urns, violence is kind of like it's it's present enough that you're going to come across it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But it's also not like every single second is like boys in the hood. Exactly. And that's yeah. one of the things that I kind of like. Again, it's like it's something kind of closer to real life. But there are these weird moments of like surrealism. Like I remember when Darius meets Paperboy when he like bails him out of jail and then they go to a restaurant and they pick up you know some wings or whatever and the guy behind the counter realizes that paperboy is like like the person who's sitting in front of him yeah. paperboy's the customer and paperboy just shot somebody so paperboy has like some elevated status now in the community yeah. so he gives him lemon pepper wet wings hey yo my boy hooked you up he made you the lemon pepper joints but these got the sauce on them oh snap oh. Lemon pepper wet? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Damn, yo. Hey, yo, keep doing your thing, man. All right? You one of the last real rappers. Okay, so you got you kind of have some idea that this shooting happened. You know that, like, Ern's photo and Paperboy's photo was on the news. You know that, like, Ern is still in jail and Paperboy just got out. You know that there's something dramatic that's gone, like, that's that's happening. And you just saw Ern sitting in jail going through something completely insane and oftentimes painful. There were a lot of moments of that episode that were that really, like, uh, that just, like, struck a deep chord with me. But then you have this, like, insane scene where you have Darius and Paperboy opening up this box of the lemon pepper wet wings and it's like glowing. You yeah. see like a like a little sheen on their faces. And it reminds me of these random pie references that you see Dale Cooper give throughout all of Twin Peaks. Can I get you anything to go with this, Sheriff? Agent Cooper here might want to try a slice of that pie. A cherry pie? Best in the Tri-Counties. 
Hmm. Maybe, you know, in the previous episode, we've just discovered that Laura Palmer, spoiler alert, was like moonlighting, you know what I'm saying, at this like brothel that was servicing a lot of powerful men in town. And then like, you know what I'm saying, like the second scene in the next episode is like Dale Cooper eating some cherry pie. He can't believe how delicious it is. He's grinning. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you just, you, you, you don't, you never quite know your place. And so there's like the tonal aspects of not being able to sit with any emotion. But then there's also the fact that the shows are both just also really weird. Weird shit happens. <laughs> weird, surrealist shit happens all the time. And it's played up in this way where you, you, you don't, you don't really know how you're supposed to process what's just happening yeah so for example like there's a scene where paperboy and darius are talking about like instagram and he's like yo did you see that cat with the invisible car and paper <laughs> paperboy is like what the fuck are you talking about invisible car and so he pulls up instagram and shows him uh all these pictures of this guy like leaning where a car should be but there's no <laughs> car there and, you know, and Paperboy's just like, oh, what the fuck? And they keep moving, like, not lingering on that point. Uh-huh. And so you're like, oh, well, maybe this guy, like, maybe this guy was just fucking around. There's no actual car there. And then, again, spoiler alert, and then in the last scene of the episode, they're, like, leaving the club as someone just starts shooting at the club. And this guy is riding through on what looks like an invisible car <laughs> yeah. and hits somebody. And you're like, oh, fuck, wait. This how? <laughs> yeah, like, like, how? And the episode just fucking ends. And you have no barometer for whether or not you're like, wait, was that guy, wait, was, wait. Right. <laughs> like, are we all supposed to acknowledge this as like an invisible car? Is this like, that was the end of the episode. And they didn't pick it up in the next episode. Yeah. That's just, I mean, those are the types of surreal things that just kind of happen. And you see kind of the same thing. Well, you see exactly the same thing with Twin Peaks. Like, there's there's episodes where they're they're at like a town hall meeting. And... Uh, D- uh, Dale Cooper is that his name? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he is, and so Dale Cooper is like talking with the the local sheriff about just all the people in the town. He's like introducing him, and he's like, "Oh, well, this is this person. She runs the she runs the like paper mill. Uh-huh. This is that person. He's important in the town." And Dale Cooper goes, "Well, who's that lady with the log?" And there's they like cut <laughs> to this woman who's like standing right by the door, petting a log, and uh, and the sheriff just turns to him. He goes. Oh, that's Log Lady. And then they keep moving to something completely different. Exactly. And don't really come back to it. I mean, Log Lady becomes important later in the series. True. But uh, but at that particular moment, it's just like, that's just the thing. Right. That's who it is. My log has something to tell you. Do you know it? I don't believe we've been introduced. I do not introduce the log. Can you hear it? And also kind of play with this idea that I think that both Atlanta and Twin Peaks both like perfectly conceptualize, which is like the dichotomy between like the mundane and the extreme. Yes. So like this one episode of Atlanta where Darius and Paperboy go out into the woods, like yeah. far out in nature to go do this drug deal with this group of guys. But the people who are playing the guys that they're doing the drug deal with, they don't necessarily announce it in the episode. But as the viewer, you recognize them as some well-known rappers. Yeah, Migos. Right? Migos, right? And then there's like all of – there's this weird sequence where they like pull this guy out from underneath a truck 
And then, like, he's not wearing any clothes, and they're humiliating him, and then they let him get dressed, and then they, like, let him, like, um, they, they're holding him this entire time at gunpoint because, obviously, he's done something that they didn't like. Yeah. And then they, like, give him, I don't know, like, a 10, 15-second head start. They yeah. let him run off into the woods, and then they just, bang, bang, shoot him down. But in that, like, and in those moments, you feel legitimate, like, terror. Yeah. No, no, no. Like, it's it's really, really creepy. But then, like... You know, this is all happening outside of an RV. And then, like, after, like, Darius and Paperboy see this guy get shut down, they're invited by Migos into this RV to sit down and actually do the drug deal and actually, like, talk business. And then that conversation just becomes so hilarious that it's, like, so absurd that it's hilarious. And then even that is intercut with, like, Earn out on a date with his girlfriend, Van, $20 short on the bill, needing to have Alfred pay, you know, needing to have his cousin like, you know, transfer him twenty dollars so that he can pay for dinner. Like everybody kind of knows what it's what it feels like to be someplace and be like, mm. like even if you could cover the bill, you're like, mm, well, I guess I'm walking tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't have this. <laughs> right. You're like, mm, I really don't have this. Like everyone knows what that feels like. Not everybody knows what it feels like to be sitting in an RV in the middle of the woods outside of Atlanta, like doing a drug deal with Migos who are playing drug dealers. Yeah. Um <laughs> But just sort of, like, having those two moments together and showing you that, like, Earn and Paperboy kind of do, on some level, occupy two separate worlds. But those things overlap, and they're so close all of the time. Hey, man, my bad for all them guns, man. You know, we had to make sure you were straight. We heard some weird shit about you, man. Hey, sorry I'm late. Paperboy, right? I'll fuck with that poster mixtape. All right, man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right. Who that? That's my cousin Tangeray. I told you we rap now, right? No, word. Yeah, he good, but he talks a lot. You know, he crazy. But anyway, let's settle this deal. Let's get it handled. Okay. Well, it's in the briefcase, uh, but I, I left the key at home. So, kind of stuck. We can solve that. It kind of just reminds you of, like, how close your everyday life is to some really fucking weird shit. Yeah. Or really terrible shit. Yeah. You know, and especially I think that comes back to, like, the the living in Atlanta piece of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, life can go left real quick. Yeah. You know? Life coming at you fast. Uh, it makes me think of another way that these shows are connected. Um, I I think that's like the way that they play with the plot. Twin Peaks really probably changed the game in a way with how they do this because mm-hmm. as we described it, it's this, this detective, he's coming to like this weird town trying to solve this murder. Mm-hmm. But the importance of him solving that murder really kind of shifts to the background as mm-hmm. the season goes on. And you just are kind of lingering with all these people in this weird place with all these weird motivations yeah. for a long time. Yeah. I mean, these are old school seasons. It's a lot of episodes. It's like 22 episodes. <laughs> you know, and there's a lot of just kind of chilling and getting to know the various people in town. Yeah, like whether or not he actually solves the murder just becomes less and less important to you over time. And also, you kind of get signals as a viewer that like, mm, you may not ever find out. Yeah, that's and not you, the point. And you got to deal with that. Yeah. You think like, oh, Ern is going to be this serious manager trying to like make moves and he's going to help push him into the into this next level of his career of being like a popular rapper. Yeah. 
but it doesn't really work out that way. No, it doesn't work out that way. That's not the focus of every episode. And also, too, there are a lot of major questions that get opened up that never really get resolved. Like, you never really figure out where Van and Earn's relationship really rests. You don't actually find out like how Earn ended up in this position in the first place. How Earn went from Princeton to back in Atlanta to back in Atlanta trying to manage his cousin as a rapper. His cousin don't even trust him to follow through on stuff. It doesn't even pay him until the last episode. Yeah. Like there's no success happening in this. And there's not really a lot of forward advancement in any of like the major plot points that are set out in the first episode. Yeah. You also don't see a lot of the actual work of like Earn being a manager. Yeah. Like they just end up in situations that in theory Earn has negotiated. Yeah. But you don't really see any of that. It also plays into the fact that you don't know if Earn is good at this. We never see Paperboy actually record any music. Yeah. He's supposed to be a musician. This is what he's, this is what he's trying to do. Yeah. You know, and it just, it, it doesn't matter. Though. Yeah. All you see is the meantime in between time. Yeah. And they also like something that I actually think is really interesting. You don't really know what your vantage point is as the viewer. There's a, an episode with that just focuses on Earn's, you know, on again, off again, girlfriend, Van. Yeah. And it's like, you get so much insight into who Van is. You get to see Van in moments without Earn present that don't even necessarily get returned to. It seems like those moments are just for the audience to be like let into her world. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are not things that necessarily go back and serve his original plot. Yeah. But to me, like if you think about it, and this was something like Twin Peaks kind of picked up on, like having a plot that's pretty fluid in its importance mm-hmm. allows you to really focus on character yeah. in a way that's like really fresh and really fun. Yeah. Like there are so many small characters in Twin Peaks who you really just get to know mm-hmm. and that you really enjoy every time that they pop up. And Atlanta is kind of like that too. Like you don't get to spend too much time with any one character so that when you do get a significant amount of time with any character like Van mm-hmm. you really appreciate it like Van's character as you go through the first early parts of the season you're like I understand her motivations I get it she seems like a cool character and yeah. an interesting foil to kind of like push Earn into the direction he needs to exist shit together yeah but then when you have this episode with her you know you really like man like, she's trying to do all these things. And, you know, she's trying to be, a, like, a young adult. Yeah. She's trying to be a mother. She's yeah. trying to, like... See if she can make this relationship with her, you know, child's father work. Yeah. And she also is just, like, going through, like, shit at her job. Having her own adventures. And so, that like when she pops back up later in the series, after spending, like, so much time with her... Yeah. You give a shit. You're like, fuck, man. Like, there's a scene towards the end in the Juneteenth episode where they're having a, like... A little bit of relationship like drama uh-huh. and in that moment you're really rooting for both characters you want Earn to get his shit together and you want van to get this validation in their relationship that Earn doesn't realize needs to exist hey hey what's wrong you're mean sorry don't be getting drunk i find it to be a really refreshing way to look at a couple yeah. in that type of television setup do you know what i mean like when you think about um I, i've seen like a piece in vulture where they compared 
they said that like Atlanta is more like Louis with rappers, mm. but like Louis still happens from Louis's point of view. Yeah, um, that he does have a lot of really interesting female partners that come through the show, but still everything you are pretty much based in Louis's point of view. Your investment in his relationship with his like female partners throughout the series, it really comes from. How do you see this person like changing Louis's life? Like, how do you see this person working in service of the main character? But like to see, like, like you said, like you just get this different kind of investment in their relationship when you know so much about Van. Yeah. And also not only that, so much about Van outside of being like a put upon mother. Like yeah. you, you see a lot about Van as like, you know, who she is as a woman. You see her having a conversation with just a friend of hers from college. You see, you see like who she is as a woman, who she is as a friend. Uh, you get some idea of the person that she maybe used to be and, mm. and maybe who she always thought she would be. And that is to me uh, a pretty remarkable example um, of like just going in depth uh, on a female character who's like the love interest of a lead. It's pretty unusual to see, uh, like, yeah, a love interest be given that type of voice and to be given that type of clarity. And it's especially like rare to see that happen with a black character and a black woman. Like, yeah, you know, like I, so many of the like shows that I think about, if you think of like popular black. TV shows. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, unless it is... Like, Girlfriends, which is all female-centered. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, like... Unless that, unless that central character is a woman, or mm-hmm. one of the two, like, central characters is a woman, you don't get those opportunities. Like, you know a lot of... You know a lot about Cookie from Empire, mm-hmm. because, like, basically, like, one, Taraji P. Henson is amazing. Yeah. And she has been able to push Cookie as, like, basically, you know, just up there with... Um, Terrence Howard as the lead. So now she gets fleshed out really, really, really well. Yeah. Right? It's interesting that you bring up Cookie because, like, part of why she's so central to the plot, um, like, obviously, I I always got the sense from watching the show that Cookie was supposed to be a lead character, but she's also a matriarch. It's very interesting to see, uh, like, matriarchs, I think think they do tend to get a decent amount of screen time um, because they sort of occupy a specific place in a family and they have a specific relationship. And, like, Van is a mother, but Van is a mother of, of, of a character who doesn't really speak on the show. And her main relationship to Earn that you really see comes from, like, their partnership and their co-parenting, like, relationship. And it has less to do with her being, like, an act, like a mother of an active character in the story. Like, she... Like it's just it's it, it's true. It really is rare to see a black woman so young whose main function is to be the lead character's love interest get that kind of screen time. It is rare. Like in addition to the screen time, that that sort of care. Mm-hmm. Like it's clear that the writers really care about her character, yeah, and what she deserves, mm-hmm. and like what she will be. Yeah, like that's that's kind of like it's this like really interesting thing that only really can come about because they give less of a shit about the overall plot of the show. Yeah. You know, like you, otherwise you would think like with what, 10 episodes? Yeah. That there's no time. There's no time for that. Exactly, exactly. But they sort of like decided to let like the end point of Alfred becoming famous, the end point of Paperboy blowing up, they decided to let that end point sort of hang in the balance, much like how things move in real life. It's actually, it's like, it's really, 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 really refreshing, I think. Yeah. So... Actually, I think this is a good spot for us to take a break. Let's do it. Let's pay some bills. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... 
No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Tito's Handmade Vodka had been mixed with its fair share of cocktails. But one night, a chilled glass topped with lime and cranberry would change everything this bottle knew about happy hour. From the producers of America's Favorite Vodka, it turns out the cocktail you've been waiting for was right there the whole time. The Tito's Rom Cosmo. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll sip with Tito's. Coming to cocktail parties near you at titosvodka.com. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about Atlanta. And Twin Peaks. And Twin Peaks. Yes. Another example is something that that I find extremely rare in black characters, especially characterized on comedies, is just how beautifully the show is shot. Yeah. Like there are it's it's it, it was create like one of the co creators, um, and the person who directed, I think at least the first few episodes was Hiro Murai, who is a I don't know if you even even if you don't know his name, there's a good chance that you've seen some of his music videos. Um, he did was it Gold by Chet Faker, a single shot of three women like basically roller skating downhill for like the entirety of a song. You're yeah. watching it the entire time, like how the fuck did you do this? Um, he's directed uh, quite a few of Childish Gambino's music videos, and he also did one of my personal favorites, Never Gonna Catch Me, by Flying Lotus featuring Kendrick Lamar. If you haven't seen that video, like you just must watch it today. You're absolutely gonna ball. But uh, even though he is is like this Japanese guy. Yeah. Like he does such a beautiful job shooting black people. And and even though like different episodes are taken over by different directors, you get the sense that there's a strong visual style that like Hero has brought to the show that is meant to be recreated throughout the entire series. Totally, totally. And I mean, I think this is also a good example of something that, like Twin Peaks also kind of did mm-hmm. really really well. Like David Lynch, I mean, you say what you will about like, you know, like the in terms of how he plays with like plot and his writing and like the campiness <laughs> that he evokes in his performances, but like anything that he shoots looks amazing. Yeah, Twin Peaks was really unusual to me, uh, at least looking back, in that it was so cinematically shot for yeah. a network television show. Like in my at home laptop, I have plenty of screenshots of just Audrey Horn the character alone from Twin Peaks because there's just, there's so much richness in the visuals and you definitely see a lot of that in Atlanta. Yeah. And, and, and I think that, I think you're exactly right. There's this like defining aesthetic 
that like hero Mirai mm-hmm. um, really has like set forth with Atlanta, and it's clear that it was developed in conjunction with I mean with Donald, yeah. But like he he does he understands that like. And again, I think it kind of comes back a little bit to the plot being less of the point. Yeah. You know, like, it's clear that they're taking time to, like, do something cool uh-huh. and then make it look amazing. Yes. You know, and that's from the location scouting. Like you said, there's there's a lot of, like, nature mm-hmm. in this. And, yeah. And, you know, and that, like, there's a contrast between the greenery uh-huh. and the actual action that's happening within these settings. Yeah. So. They ain't out in the hoods to, like, they ain't out in the woods to hike. Exactly. Like, yeah, they're not camping. No, they're they're not not camping. (laughs) Like, they have actual reasons for being there. They they have less to do with nature. But it creates this, like, really, really cool visual contrast between, like, how you're supposed to feel the emotions that that are happening Mm -hmm. um, as you watch the show, in addition to how you actually, like, understand the plot. I think a great example of this is... There's this, so there's an episode where basically Earn and Darius, who again is like uh, Alfred or Paperboy's best friend, yeah, they basically just go on an adventure, yeah, trying to like scam and hustle into more money for uh, for Earn, yeah. Um, so like, I mean, because you almost need to understand this shit because it's kind of amazing. So like, they start out with uh, like Earn needing some cash uh-huh. and Darius being like, "Okay, I got you. You should buy a." samurai sword yes (laughs) or a katana yes they basically like try to they buy a katana and then they like beg barter and somehow end up with like a dog for breeding yeah because eventually breeding dogs will bring in more money yes and so at the end of this like at the end of this adventure and you you were wondering the whole time where the where the hell is gonna go yeah Earn is like basically breaking down because he thought he was going to have at the end, like this was all going to add up to some more immediate money. Like cash in hand at the end of the day. Yeah. And Darius is like, well, you didn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, oh, yeah. And but, you know, come spring or what, you know, come, you know, come a few months from now. Like once this dog breeds with another dog like this. I mean, you're going to have, like, you know, a few thousand dollars easy. It's like, what? Yeah. And so that there's this, like, really weird tension. And it turns into this beautiful conversation that also happens outside of a barn. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, they're just, like, sitting on this car in this very lush, with a, like, with a barn in the back. And they just talk about, like, about themselves, about what they're trying to achieve. And you can see they're, like, that's where their friendship develops. Yeah. You all right, bro? No, no, I'm actually kind of fucked. Van needed that money. My daughter needed that money. Okay, not in September, but today. Okay, see, I'm poor, Darius. Okay, and poor people don't have time for investments because poor people are too busy trying not to be poor. Okay, I need to eat today, not in September. Bro, I asked you at the pawn shop if you needed the money to take the money. You said you wanted more money, so I got you more money. Look, here, trade this in. No, it's cool, man. No, no it's, fine. it's I'm, fine. I'm just stressed. I got a lot going on. No, it's fine. It's fine. I get a new one every month. Make sure they ain't tracking me. Thank you. We're friends now. 
that again, that contrast between th- this moment that could have happened anywhere, uh-huh. but it happening in the outdoors, in nature, in this in this beautiful setting, yeah, like really allows that moment to breathe. Yeah, it's like it's pretty quiet, so you focus on it in a way that is like very nice, and you just feel like this is like going somewhere pleasant. Yeah, and also too like one of the, like I don't have any family in Atlanta right now, but my aunt, my dad's sister, she lived there for like 20, 25 years. Um so a lot of like my young young life was spent going to Atlanta to visit her. And one of the things that a lot of Atlantans said, I remember them saying when I was down there all the time, was this like, you know, Atlanta's a city of trees. Atlanta's a city of trees. And I when I was first learning how to drive, like my uncle would take me driving around Atlanta and stuff like that. And it's true, like there were more trees in Atlanta than I noticed necessarily in Detroit. You know what I'm saying? There's, I've seen more trees in Atlanta than I've seen in D.C. and certainly in New York. It's almost like, you know, as the the, the writing team is all black, but also a lot of the writing team um, are, are Atlanta natives. And that was, it's almost like you felt like they pulled out one of the city's best kept secrets and have decided to just basically like beautifully exploit that at a lot of really important junctures in, you know, in like, I guess, like the different plot lines of the characters. It's it's unexpected. It's really beautiful. And it actually reminds me of like the photography of have you ever seen the photography of Naima Green? Mm-mm. There's like she does these really beautiful portraits of just black folks like you and I, like young black people a lot of times seems like her friends. Some people that we've had on the show before too, certainly. Um, like Kim Drew. And she just takes pictures of them in their regular clothes as they would always look in nature, just among trees. And it's absolutely gorgeous. And it like it's to me like her photography in Atlanta do the same thing. They sort of like play with people's ideas of where you think you're supposed to see black people without only speaking to white people. Like the way it's depicted is so beautiful that it feels to me like it's for us. It doesn't feel like it's trying to prove anything to a white audience. And that I find to be like. That to me feel like that makes me feel even better about watching the show. That tees up like this last way that I think Atlanta and Twin Peaks intersect. The actual like location feeling like a character. Mm. Twin Peaks, like literally, I mean, it's in the title. Like you really, really get to know this town. Yeah. Like you know, it's a paper mill town. They make a point of pointing out the trees, you know, that they're firs and like they're this really like they're these really beautiful trees and like they focus on that. Mm-hmm. Like you understand there's all these like winding roads yeah. where where the action might happen. Diane, eleven thirty AM, February twenty fourth. Entering the town of Twin Peaks, five miles south of the Canadian border, twelve miles west of the state line. I've never seen so many trees in my life. W.C. Fields would say, I'd rather be here than Philadelphia. They take great pains to make sure that you know that the town itself is important. Yeah. I feel that just as much in Atlanta. Your perception of Atlanta, or even white people's perception of Atlanta, you know, might be informed in this very specific way. Especially if you're thinking about, like, rappers, Uh right? Yeah. You know, you think about the trap. Yeah. You think about the trap. Probably some projects. You know what I'm saying? Like, if not, like, a real... Hood neighborhood, yeah. like urban quote unquote yeah. neighborhood. Meet me in the trail, it's going down. Meet me in the mall, it's going down. Meet me in the club, it's going down. Anywhere you meet me. And that's where you might have seen this entire like series taking place until they quote unquote reach a new level. 
Yeah. But you would be very, very fucking wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like you said, like they're they're going all over this city. They're going in the woods. They're going to like a barn or a farm where people, you know, are apparently breeding pit bull dogs yeah, yeah. and are willing to sell them for a sword. Yes. You know, they go to the club. They go to jail. You get a feeling that Atlanta itself is important. No, and and you start to feel a certain intimacy with the city of Atlanta. Like, you know, it just reminds you sort of that just because a city, you know, can seem bigger than life like Atlanta and can be, you know, very storied. There are a lot of really interesting, like, narratives that we've been given out of Atlanta throughout the media, whether it be from, like, Real Housewives or whether it be, like, via shit. T.I., you know what I'm saying? Like, we're given a lot of different ideas of what Atlanta is, but I feel like I have been intimately brought through how a native knows the city to be. And it doesn't even matter, like, the the location specifically. It also is kind of the, like, the action that happens within it. Uh Like, I think about the the celebrity, you actually brought this up to me before, the celebrity (laughs) basketball, like, they have a, there's an episode that happens at the celebrity basketball game. And Paperboy is it w- actually became famous enough to be featured as a celebrity. He's playing, but yeah. he's, he's clearly also on this like lower tier. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> like he's clearly not the guy no, there. He's not. The, the he's guy. not the draw. The draw is oddly enough Justin Bieber. Yes, who is played by a black actor. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And again, going back to this like surrealist like point, like that's never addressed. No, it's never addressed. There's no nod to the fact that Justin Bieber is a black man in this episode at all. This is me. This is the real Justin. I'm not a bad guy. I actually love Christ. I guess I've just been hanging out with the wrong people. Which is why I want to sing this new single for my upcoming album, Justice. Yeah. But like this celebrity basketball tournament with all these like I hate to call them like B celebrities. I think I mean I hate fair. to do it too, but I actually would I would maybe go a couple steps lower. Like maybe C or D. Maybe C or D. Lil Zane, I had a I mean, real talk, I had a crush on Lil Zane. For those of you who don't know, Lil Zane is a rapper who was kind of popular in the late nineteen nineties, early two thousands. So he was on the uh the single Anywhere from 112, which, like, blew up everywhere. And, yes. you know, they needed, like, a rap feature. Yes. And so you see this, like, skinny little black dude with a wife beater pop out. Yes. He, they didn't call him Lil Zane for nothing. He was tiny. And, like, deliver this fire verse. We can do it but after that, I don't know where Lil Zane went. I think Lil Zane had a song that may have been on either the Dr. Doolittle or Dr. Doolittle 2 soundtrack. And since then, actually, I didn't see Lil Zane again until he was on the Celebrity Basketball Tournament episode of Atlanta. But, like, that to, like that's such an Atlanta thing. Yeah. Like, it's such an Atlanta thing to have a celebrity basketball tournament featuring, like, up-and-coming rapper Paperboy, somebody who's super famous, like Justin Bieber or whoever else. Yeah. And then, like, these people who haven't didn't ever really get that famous. And maybe people in Atlanta are showing them a lot of love. But, like, 
other than that, like you haven't seen or heard from these people. They haven't said boo in 15, 20 years. Yeah. And it makes sense in this area because like one, Atlanta, like is sitting on a ridiculous amount of black talent yes. that probably has just aged out of their like, yes. like normal, like popularity. And they're just now they're just living in Atlanta because it's a cheap place to live. It well, it is. It is. These are all really super Atlanta things, but these are all really super black things that even people from Atlanta can look at and be like, oh, yeah, I've probably attended an event like this before. Or even just the strip club as a normal place that you go. You know what I'm saying? Like they went to the strip club and it wasn't like it wasn't like "Ah, I'm about to ball out at the strip club. Like, no, they went to the strip club because that's a place that people in Atlanta go because they have really good strip clubs. That's a very Atlanta like thing just yeah. going to the strip club yeah. and I've tried to explain that to other people because like Memphis was kind of like that for like a hot second uh-huh. um, Detroit like, is actually def- like I've been to the strip club and eaten yeah. chicken fingers a lot of people don't know, you know sometimes you go to strip club and you eat I went to the strip club as just a thing to do after a family function and just went through and ordered mad platters of fried food and just stayed there until you got sleepy and then went home Yeah, the strip club is a place for everybody yeah again just like tease up to them really infusing Atlanta into the show. Yeah. Like, you know, more so than just tiling the show there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So to recap, I hope we made it clear to you that there are like some very real through lines that like connect, you know, Atlanta and Twin Peaks. Even just in the way that both shows completely subvert the viewer's ideas um, and expectations just around tone, plot, cinematography, and um, in their respective locations. Yes, yes. I think subverting expectations is spot on. Like, even when you think of the entire show premises, like with Twin Peaks, it sets you up as like what's, I just think I'm going to get a, a, like almost like a normal, nor like crime procedural, if you will. Yeah. You know, him just solving a crime. Absolutely. You know, in a new place. But then, man, the way it unspools yeah, and the way, like, new things are just stuck on top and on top and on top to you almost forget what was at the bottom. Yes, which... and you also hope that at some point, like, some things will be made clear to you, but they probably won't be. But they probably won't be. And after a while, it's so fun that you, you kind of stop caring. Yeah. Like, in Atlanta, like, you know, I want Ern to get his life together. Yeah. But I don't necessarily have to have Paperboy becoming, like, super famous to do that. It's perfectly within reason for them to do something that might completely throw that off. Yeah. Because that's also a thing that happens. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that kind of like, it, that's one of the, the things that I like the most about the show is how much like it reminds me of real life. Like, I feel like I'm entering into a period of my life where in many ways things are higher stakes than they ever have been. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that is scary. And, like, you feel that same fear from Ern, where he is a father and he's trying to figure out if he's really going to be in a, an exclusive partnership with, you know, the mother of his child. And he's trying to kind of pick up the pieces of his life that we don't know how it fell apart, but it seems that it fell apart just the same. And, like, on some level, I think that, like, not just, like, narratively, but, like, in life, I constantly want to have all the answers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I want to know how everything is going to unfold. I want to be able to sort of, like, see the end. I want to be able to know... You know, am I going to be successful or am I, or am I not? Is this thing going to work out or is it not? Yeah. You know, or is someone going to tell me yes or is someone going to tell me no? And almost like I feel like an unintended benefit of Atlanta is that it's kind of teaching me just not just narrative patience with the characters, but like patience with my own shit where it's just like, you know what? You're in this weird place and this is not going to get resolved yeah. anytime soon. And you just have to write it out and see what happens. No, totally. And there's another thing that is kind of like making me almost remember 
black people take weird ass adventures too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like there's the like ridiculousness of seeing, you know, the things that happen to Darius Earn and, and Paperboy. But then also it's like, okay, that can happen. Yeah. You know, like you yeah. like like I've had days where I'm just going from point A to point B and like I'm not sure what the fuck is going on <laughs> yeah. or wh- like what's happening in any specific place. Usually actually it happens in a night. Yeah. You know, where you're like going from point A to point B. Yeah. But I can't remember a show where like just them going on the adventure, a black show, mm-hmm. where just them going on the adventure is the point. Mm. You're supposed to get to know these people and go on a few adventures. Yeah. And that is something that is surprisingly true to life. And also surprisingly true for Atlanta. <laughs> I, I I would agree with that. Um, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, both shows are excellent. Yes. Uh, and if you haven't seen either one, I, like, highly suggest you just go ahead, start with, like, season one, episode one, and give them a shot. Yes, Atlanta, Twin Peaks. Go watch. Go watch. All right. So uh, that's all we got for you today. Yes. For Color Nerds is hosted and produced by me, Eric Eddings. Uh, and me, Brittany Luce, with additional production help, guidance, support coming from Bethel Hapte. If you want to support us, there are a lot of ways. Uh, you can give to us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash for colored nerds. You can also leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Mm-hmm. iTunes, Very specifically. Mm-hmm. Gotta say mm-hmm. it like that. Uh, or you can buy some of our amazing merchandise. Which you can find at our website. Yes, for colorednerds.com. But that's all we got. That's all we got. So we'll be back soon. We'll be back soon. We'll be back in two weeks. Yes. Bye. Bye. Tito's Handmade Vodka had been mixed with its fair share of cocktails. But one night, a chilled glass topped with lime and cranberry would change everything this bottle knew about happy hour. From the producers of America's Favorite Vodka, it turns out the cocktail you've been waiting for was right there the whole time. The Tito's Rom Cosmo. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll sip with Tito's. Coming to cocktail parties near you at titosvodka.com. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly.